Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. First off, the Big Ten is the loyal girl next door trying to like iron her like conservative little dress and, and go get the mail and hope to catch the eye of the Irish. And Notre Dame fell for the the Southern Tam lines and the, 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 the Big 12 presidents and ADs have been the most aggressive about wanting to play. And I'm not saying like they don't want to play in the SEC or anything like that, but they have been the most like, let's go give this a shot. And SI's Pat Forty. We are The Bachelor. We're coming in for one year, we're taking everything, and then we're leaving again. And here's Dan. All right, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us. Hey, I don't know if there's going to be a season. But the ACC has given us something to at least dream about and laid out their scheduling model. Uh, The SEC and others are expected to do uh, soon, perhaps this week. There's still options out there. It's going to be, you know, eight and plus one, nine, different things. Big 12 is also going to put theirs out there. We don't know. A lot of this stuff is TBD (laughs) and Whatever the date of the TDB is, like the night before the game, right? Um, <laughs> uh, Pat and I have talked about it. We both have kids, and Pat's got a kid in college, got kids in school. All anyone talks about. It. I think we'll have school. Uh, who knows? Night before school, it's like snow day every day. It's like, <laughs> yeah. check, check with us. Maybe we'll have school tomorrow, right? Um, check local listings. By the way, uh, a quick side. My, one of my favorite days of the actual lockdown was when we had a, when it snowed heavily one day during remote learning. <laughs> and I got to taunt my children that they didn't get the snow day that they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> that's a loving really, father. Yeah. Yeah. Being a parent yeah. is about taunting your children. Right? I mean, that's <laughs> you're, very you're the one who made fun of Pat for ripping his daughter swimming on here and that, that you're <laughs> bragging about taunting your children. <laughs> I was like, ah, look at that. Look at that snow just falling down. Wouldn't be able to drive to school today. <laughs> Bet you'd like to be sledding. Soccer, suckers, man. Uh, all right, so what do we make of this? Uh, the big headline is Notre Dame is joining a conference for uh, one year. But still, major move historically by Notre Dame to, to join up, to share its NBC revenue with the ACC. And and rather than try to do it alone as they do everything else, this certainly tightens the alliance between Notre Dame and the ACC. Notre Dame will play full slate of ACC games, whatever that is, and they can compete for the ACC title. And they're going to get games. uh, I mean, these are the tantalizing ones you want, but it preserves that Clemson game. And Florida State could be, I mean, imagine a Notre Dame home schedule with Florida State and Clemson coming. That's pretty good. Of course, no one will be there to see it. Uh, but would have been great. You know, I mean, like, this is the, they have a plan. I, again, I don't know. Uh, the ACC championship wouldn't be to December 12th or 13th uh, or 12th or 19th. So they're they're stringing it out long, which I think is a big thing. I don't know. Pete, why don't you start with this? What did you make of the ACC schedule? Let's, let's pretend that this is... <laughs> Uh, all caveats aside, let's pretend this is kind of going forward. Maybe. I don't know. So the AC, the, my joke was going to be before you, before you made me focus on uh, the alleged reality is that, uh, you know, like when you used to collect baseball cards when you were a kid, and you got like that, the error card, 
like the rare sort of like mistake that there was only in limited packages. Like, I think this ACC schedule is going to be like that Billy Ripken error card that everybody wanted when they were kids. Like, we'll be like, oh, remember that time that like Notre Dame was supposed to play in the ACC schedule? Like, it's just sort of this like weird moment in time. It certainly may happen. And there's an attempt to make it happen. And I give the ACC credit. It is not usually the most forward thinking athletic league. It's, you know, a little bit of league that embraces the Olympic sports and the college ideals and some of those like Kevin White isms you hear, you know, you've heard over the years. But like this was a straight up like we're going to go try to do this thing. We're going to give you direction. We have the stomach for some of the uncomfortable things that could happen. If college football season can be stopped in any way, it's going to be stopped at the presidential level. And so the, the most interesting thing to me about the ACC was that their president saw the NCAA kicking the can down the road. Their president saw the, what happened to the Miami Marlins. They saw the, you know, th there will be pain. There are, there are not going to be teams that are not impacted by this virus as you go throughout the season. And the ACC said, you know what, we're going, uh, we're going ahead full throttle with this and, and giving it a shot. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I I would I hope we get to see it just for the Notre Dame aspect of it. You know, they are the the absolutely uncatchable bachelor out there, and the ACC's been that patient, faithful suitor. Well, you know, eventually they'll come to us, and now here they are. Hey, they're moving in, sharing towels, sharing dishes, sharing bank accounts, as uh, Dan pointed out, getting a little slice of that NBC TV revenue. Uh. Do they play? I don't know. But but just the fact that Notre Dame was willing to enter into this agreement is really interesting. They've only been playing football since 1887, and they have never been part of a conference in football until now. And here we are. Uh, you know, I, from Notre Dame's standpoint, like if you – yes, for this season, this was absolutely a marriage of necessity. Notre Dame didn't have enough games. The ACC wants the clout and the money and all those things that Notre Dame brings – and so it's going to work for, for if you're Notre Dame, while you are so embedded with being an independent, there are reasons to look at this and maybe say, hmm, long term, just the scheduling foundation that you get from eight games, as opposed to what they had to put together. If you remember in 2018, when they were undefeated, but had to play five games in five different cities in the last five weeks of the year. They got through them and got to the playoff, but the some of the scheduling difficulty that comes with being an independent gets alleviated by being in the ACC. I don't think Notre Dame would ever do it, but I think there's some reasons to think that it would be easier, at least, than what they're doing. So I just want to jump in on the money point that Dan and Pat just made. Notre Dame, to my knowledge, makes less from NBC than the ACC makes from the others. So them throwing the NBC money in the pot, like, I don't think that's like this drastic game changing, big, big, big sacrifice. I don't think they're getting ACC football money, if my understanding of the agreement is correct. But like, it, it's not like the, the perception of Notre Dame is like they're independent, but they they really don't make the near the level of like SEC and Big Ten schools um, from their conference TV payout. They, they do make less. It's always one of the things like people will scream about, like if you join the Big Ten, you make more money. Purdue yeah. makes more money. Like, no, if you ever been to Notre Dame and said, "Geez, if only they had some money around here," I just, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they could afford to get the grass a little greener. God, they need a landscaper at this yeah, place, right? <laughs> like the, the gold is chipping off the dome. No, like ninety nine yeah. problems, money ain't one. All right, they got the money. Stop worrying about whether you can pay your assistant strength coach a little more than they can. They're Notre Dame. The day money becomes an aspect, they'll go get it. But uh, that that's not, not a motivation for Notre Dame. All right, two things I take issue with, Pats. First off, the Big Ten is the loyal girl next door who, you know, trying to, like, iron her, like, conservative little dress and, and go get the <laughs> mail and hope to catch the eye of the Irish, right? Twice a week, church. You know, that that that's the Big Ten. They've been waiting around for about well, eight years on these guys. And Notre fine. Dame fell for the, the southern tan lines and the, the, the <laughs> <laughs> little sashaying in old Clemson and Florida State. Hey, now. So let now the Big Ten is steamed because now that she's they're checking the Instagram feed. Is a Facebook what, what they moved in together? Joint bank accounts? <laughs> what she's the it's the taylor swift song right like I, you know 
that's the cheerleader. I'm in the bleacher or whatever. That is that Holy is what's God. going on here. There is, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. But Notre Dame is there will conference dish. tender like swipe swipe left to go, to go for the Big Ten. Big Ten has got like Snapchats that are unopened on Notre Dame like for, for 70 years. Like, are you ever gonna open red but not open or whatever that thing is? I don't know. Uh, yeah, this, come on now. The Big Ten's just like, you got to be kidding me. You bailed on us. We're richer. We're more, we got our together better. We got everything lined up here. We're right here. Girl next door. And you don't want it. You're going with this floozy down south. But Notre Dame can roll on them too. They are the confirmed bachelor of college football. They will sit, because they still got, well, I got a little mistress out at USC. Uh, I got my old steady in Navy in the East Coast. I can, I can always, I can always get another game. Everyone wants to play. When I come to town, it's the biggest night of the year. We don't need to settle down, right? <laughs> now, let me just say, has Notre Dame's independence ever been broken down better than that? I think not. <laughs> don't forget about the, the girl next door at Stanford, you know? And, well, and here's the thing. The girl next door at the Big Ten, they keep scheduling them anyway, trying to bring, yeah. well, maybe one more, you know, one more date. Maybe I'll win them over now. <laughs> come play us up here at Michigan or Michigan State. Oh, Purdue, yeah, we'll come. Don't worry. Yes, whatever you need, Notre Dame. Here's the thing. See, I, seven years ago is when the ACC became the new faithful girl next door. Now, yes, maybe a little more Southern tan line going on, a little more sachet. But they were the ones that told Notre Dame, hey, you can you can leave your bike in the garage. You can put we'll store some of your stuff. You know, your non-revenue sports, they can play here. We'll take basketball too. And you know what? We'll also throw in five conference football games a year, too. But you still don't have to join us. You know, they offered up. That's exactly, you know, hey, Saturday night, you got nothing else to do. I'm available. I'm here. Right. Leave your belongings here. And eventually. He moves in. That's what's happening. Well, yeah. Don't forget about one of the bigger pieces of that too, Pat. They get a slice of a pretty good slice of the ACC network. So they don't give them the best inventory. They give them basketball and the Olympic sports, which is all fine. But those aren't exactly like, you know, driving a lot of ratings or money. So, you know, they 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 there is a significant financial share on the on the ACC piece of this. I think they pay Notre Dame something like five plus million just for non football. The right. ACC is giving away the milk and, th- and that cow ain't getting <laughs> bought. That's what I'm saying. This is <laughs> now all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and Notre Dame needs a date for New Year's Eve. Fine. You're in. But that's I don't see this long term. Now, my other point from Pat is Notre Dame is not Notre Dame unless they can play all over the country. I know that stretch yeah. of five. They were in San Diego and they were in, I think, Boston or Phil. No, Yankee Stadium. And then back yeah. to USC. They, if they don't recruit nationally, they got nothing. There is right. not enough players in the Midwest. They're just a, if they joined one of these conferences, they'd just be another school. They'd be like Nebraska. Nebraska should be an independent. They would do much better than if they were in the Big Ten. Because they they are just another school with a lot of tradition and a big stadium. They got they got them in spades running around the uh, Midwest. You got them all over. So what what's the difference? And so Notre Dame has to be able to go all over the country and recruit. They have to get kids from California and Texas and Florida, and they they have the perfect arrangement right now. So they're going to partner up because the you know it, the, the the storm is brewing right now. But I don't see them sticking sticking with this it might be fun now the ultimate notre dame move would be to walk in i don't think this would happen but walk in win the acc championship and then bail be like thank you well there's a better chance of that than you think dan only because of this like we obviously and we'll talk about it a little later we saw they gotta be clemson well yeah but listen to me listen to my point out okay uh like virginia tech's caleb farley left clemson has the most to lose with potential early defectors now i give dabo credit his culture is such where he may want to keep guys around. Like, yes, uh, on a neutral field, Clemson would be favored by 14 points over Notre Dame right now to start the season. But if you take Trevor Lawrence out and then you take Ross, the really good receiver, Justin Ross is, is out for the year. But you, if you take Travis Etienne, Clemson could lose five or six guys. And at that point, and if one of them is Trevor Lawrence, at that point, Notre Dame's favorite. That's true. Ian Book's staying. I don't yeah, think Ian, Book's, yeah. Ian Book's not going anywhere. They have uh, they have a defensive defensive back who's a really good prospect, but I think he's a true sophomore uh, at Notre Dame. So like, look, they've got dudes. They got dudes on the O line. They have guys, but I would think that 
Clemson would be hurt most in the ACC by any potential defection trend. Fair point. Fair, fair point. Very good point. Yeah. No, I mean, that's we could theorize that, yes, Notre Dame could win an ACC championship in their one and only year in the league. And to walk out with that would be that would be a powerful mic drop and, and a and an ultimate testament to we are the bachelor. We're coming in for one year. We're taking everything and then we're leaving again. That would be. I watched The Bachelor and I've seen this act. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, I don't. So, you know, I always keep The Bachelor, and that's not going to change. Not once. Are you missing not out? Once. <laughs> oh, if there's no football this fall, Pete, you will be yeah. watching The Bachelor. How, how would Brian Kelly do on The Bachelor? <laughs> Brian Kelly? Yeah, I think he would. Uh, yeah, now you got to play it cool. He'd be, you'd be too emotional, probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, it would really be creepy if he was on The Bachelor. The Bachelorette's usually creepy. like I've never watched it. Okay, no, so. yeah. It's not for, like, middle-aged men to okay. like, be The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> very simple concept of the show, Pete. <laughs> the worst Bachelor ever. All, bachelor. Imagine if he was like The Bachelor. The women, the women would be getting out of the, the limo going, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> that guy's like my dad's friend. Like, he'll help me. He'll help me. <laughs> He'll help me fix my grill. Like if the if my, something in my house breaks, that guy comes over. Like what? I think I think there so are this is more of a Kingsbury we'll... Kingsbury proposition than a yeah. uh, Brian Kelly proposition. Even Kingsbury, but... yeah, it's kind of yeah. old. I mean, it's really. It is. Did you watch the NFL draft? He didn't look old sitting in front of that fireplace. <laughs> well, he's got he's got more of the he's got. <laughs> I'm not getting into that. He's no. got something else going on. It's not The Bachelor, though. You, you tune in. It's it's high entertainment. I mean, it is. There are lesser podcasts where television. people can listen to Bachelor recaps. Let's. Uh... I don't care. <laughs> A lot of this audience, they may not admit it, but they've seen it. It, it, it's it's quality television. It is an absolute okay. train wreck each week. And uh, look, what do you got? I, my whole house is filled with women. I had, uh, <laughs> I, I had no sons. I, <laughs> sometimes the TV's on The Bachelor and you get hooked. Some years, some not. I don't know. Uh, all right, where the hell were we? Uh, we're completely off the rails, by the way. Yeah. Like, well, in addition to getting Notre Dame, here's what else John Swafford did very deftly, but in a very strange manner on Wednesday was to paint the SEC into a scheduling corner. Uh, when they came out with their deal, this all this everything happened in like an hour. Nothing was supposed to happen Wednesday, and then between 3:30 and 4:30. Wednesday afternoon, stuff started happening. And this is classic college football. This is classic. Yeah, we're all in it together until we're not. And then we're stabbing you in the back as fast as we can and doing our own thing. That's what the ACC did to the SEC, but did it in a very deft manner. So about 3.30 Wednesday, myself and my colleague Ross Dellinger start getting word that the ACC has approved this, or the SEC, I'm sorry, has approved a scheduling format via the ADs conference only so they're not going to play the traditional end of season rivalry games that they have against ACC teams Florida Florida State Georgia Georgia Tech Louisville Kentucky Clemson South Carolina well word starts getting around about that and all of a sudden an ACC league membership and leadership that had gone completely dark on the day and had no plans to announce its schedule all of a sudden after four o'clock things start moving and I t I've heard actually subsequently from three different ACC schools that at 4.20, they were informed that the ACC was going to release the schedule. They then released it at 4.28, and the schools were not happy. First of all, they were totally blindsided by this. Secondly, you know, they didn't have a chance to prepare graphics to say, hey, go to our website and buy tickets, you know, anything like that. Statements from the ADs or the presidents, we've got a schedule. But the ACC wanted it out there before the SEC news came out, and they wanted it out there that we are leaving open a spot for the non-conference games, and if they're not, guess who's the bad guys here? The bad guys are the SEC. The bad guys are Florida that won't play. The bad guys are Georgia that won't play. The bad guys are South Carolina. The bad guys are Kentucky instead of us. We're willing to play. What about you, SEC? Uh, and the SEC reaction People were not pleased at that, but it was pretty wild. And just, again, underscores the fact that everybody, especially at the Power Five level, is out for themselves. Yep. There's no it. one in charge. People that this, you know, listen to this podcast have, have long known that. And uh, I enjoy a little bit of good, like, conference saboteur, you know, oh, like, yeah. and let's let's face it. 
the ACC has not really been out in front of a whole lot of that other when they would just go pillage the Big East uh, back in the day. That's about the only time they've really been mistaken for aggressors in uh, in, in any of these bigger, bigger conference moves. So I, I really think that ACC SEC sort of gamesmanship, Pat called it a checkmate in his really good column on SA.com yesterday. I really think that gamesmanship is because this goes to the governor level. Like the governors of South Carolina want these two playing, the governors of Kentucky, the governors of Florida. And quite frankly, it really makes sense for them to play right now during a pandemic. Now, again, will all of this matter in a month? We, we don't really know. But as we're sitting here right now in, in reality and these conferences are, are, you know, spending a lot, most of their time, quite frankly, on, on putting together these exercises. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a nice little W for the uh, for, for, for the ACC. Uh, what do you make of the pushing back of the there's a, certainly a, a number of proposals to push back the schedule in the mid-September. Um, there's been some chatter to go all the way to October. As you've mentioned many times, Pete, there's a there's a mood in college football. Let the NFL be the guinea pigs. You know, we're going to let them all try it on a very quick aside. Baseball after the Marlins, you know, they made it four days with their current plan. Uh, and then the Marlins had their outbreak. They are changing, changing a number of protocols. It's surgical masks instead of cloth masks. Now, no one's allowed to leave the hotel on the road in MLB. There will be a compliance officer, literally the hall monitor. We'll be working. So, they, right, I gotta love that one. This is really like me. I wish the major league team from the movie Major League was playing. Uh, maybe they could take over the Marlins spot. This would be great. Um, they're changing a bunch of stuff on the fly because it's like, all right, we got problems. And so, uh, one thing that suggests to me is the Marlins, and there's certainly been the rumor that some of the Marlins may have wandered from the hotel the very first weekend. So, Baseball's changing, and that's good for college football to be like, again, the guinea pig. We said all along, this isn't an apple-to-apple -apple comparison between these two sports, but hey, baseball was like, we didn't do enough. Now, we are, now we're going to try this. Uh, so I get the idea of, hey, let the NFL be the guinea pig. Let's push this back. Let's push the whole season back. I still think, though, you need as much time to play the games as possible because of the, the, the starts and stops. So I would actually still like to see them play on schedule, but... My opinion matters nothing in this decision making. What are you hearing about the push to say start later and later and later, kick this down the can a little bit more? Well, we're going to find out really fast on on Friday. The Big 12 starts training camp. So I just think it's like you talk about disconnect. There's a no bigger disconnect than the, in Lawrence, our friend Les Miles and then Lincoln Riley, who is the biggest proponent of the spring are both starting training camp on Friday. So I really think it's an interesting dynamic, Dan, because Bob Bowlesby is going to be out there on a limb now. Like, th those are the guinea pigs. In Norman and in Lawrence, those are where all eyes go in college sports for one full week. How does training camp work? What does it happen when you hit someone? What is the contact tracing rules after you hit someone? That's all going to be determined. My understanding from talking to, talking to sources on Thursday, and, and we'll know this, this will be out likely by the time people are listening to this podcast Thursday night, the SEC's deciding between the 19th and the 26th as its start dates and the presidents are going to the presidents are going to determine that so like that's a that's a huge gap like you know you're gonna have six weeks ramp up but by my math like you know people are starting training camp in the in the big 12 so friday the 31st and the sec you may not start training camp until I, i'm going to do back of the napkin math here for for four weeks back if you start on the 19th you're really not going to start until until mid-august so it's going to be about three weeks difference between the uh, two and that's just a huge that's just a huge difference and so part of me thinks the sec leadership is like hey bob you want to be aggressive and go play week zero go ahead like you if 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 there is sort of some miami marlin scenario to go no no group of presidents or no commissioner wants to be that now the i, I felt all along the big 12 presidents and ADs have been the most aggressive about wanting to play. And I'm not saying like they don't want to play in the SEC or anything like that, but they have been the most like, let's go give this a shot and see. I mean, look at Chris Del Conte. We're going to have half our stands full. And look, it's set by the governor. The Big 12 is a Texas-based league primarily. And Greg Abbott's like, oh, we're going to have 50% of the stands full. Now Texas is going to have only 25% of the stands full. So I, I really think like as much as we've seen the differences highlighted, you know, in the leagues throughout all this, it's only going to get you know, just more disparate as we uh, as we move on in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, that's the bottom line here is that there's no agreement. 
there's no consensus and nobody really cares to, to have consensus. And everybody, to, to your point, Pete, everyone wants someone else to take the first step. You know, they, they're one of the reasons people are still hemming and hawing about things is to wait and see what the NCAA Board of Governors is going to do on Tuesday, August 4th, in terms of whether or not they're going to start canceling fall sports championships or pushing them to the spring. Well, then the, it's the NCAA doing it. The NCAA has already been kicking that can down the road long enough because they've been waiting to see if the conferences were going to do it. Now you're getting the point, okay, yes, let's see how the NFL does, and then we'll make some decisions. Or, hey, let the Big 12 trot out there first and let them be the guinea pigs. I mean, it It just, <coughs> I understand wanting to get some information and some data and some trial and error of what how it goes, but at some point, somebody's got to go first or some group of somebody's you would think would go first together. But <laughs> the one thing we have seen, all of the talk about unity from the spring is just steadily dissolved. And in July, it looks like it always looks in college footballs. There's five mob bosses doing their own thing. I mean, essentially, if you're the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12 so far, if this is all you're playing, then you don't really care what the other guys do. And you're just going to do your own thing. It's, it, it, they're, they're really are almost different. They're not different sports, but they're different leagues. So it's just sort of like, this is how they're doing it. This is how we're doing it. And there won't be that that interconnection of how this works. But yeah, it's it's chaos. The NFL training camps will begin this weekend. They've had guys in for testing all this week. And so I guess there'll be a little bit of time. But you're right. For some of these big 12 teams, it's go time. I I just don't see how the situation... It's better later. Um, I don't know how the virus is going to, our situation with the virus is going to improve later in the fall than it is now, depending on how you believe it. It's not going so well right now. I don't think anyone would say it's great. But, you know, and then when everyone says, well, let's wait to see what happens when kids get back on campus. The, the, we know what's going to happen. Uh, I think there was a New York Times study. There's already, you know, nearly 7,000 camp uh coronavirus cases have been linked to u.s colleges uh i mean i was talking to a teacher last night i mean it's just totally anecdotal and doesn't really matter but like there was a breakout in summer school at a at a high school in summer school like yeah oh yeah yeah i mean i mean kids at summer school unless you really got a delinquent high school but um You know, how's this going to work when the kids are all over the place? Uh, So I think we already kind of know that. But, you know, I'm I'm in favor of the Oklahoma. Let's go. Let's do it. And let's try to build out. We'll have the longest ramp to to try to run this race because I don't think you can run directly. But uh, because I I think it's fine if you say we want to wait and see what happens. But I think we already know what's going to happen. That's that's my opinion. But it is it is total whack-a-mole here it is every guy every man Lord for the size baby you know it survival is. Yeah. of the fittest whatever whatever cliche <laughs> hunger you want, games man. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's right. I, I i should have those on like uh control paste for my columns for the next three weeks because it's like those are those are literally going to be alternating describing the uh describing the environment uh that's it's, it it's, i mean yeah and that's that's the world we live in and it's fun it's fascinating but it's just the hilarious kind of the skullduggery that goes along with all the high-minded rhetoric you know we're just we are concerned about the health and safety and welfare of everyone and we're working together and da 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 and in the background we're like hurry up and get that schedule out let's screw the SEC <laughs> I was I was talking to a coach last night I had quoted him uh, a, a couple of weeks ago uh, anonymously basically saying like Every time I see one of these commissioners say the health and safety of our student athletes is a forefront of concern, he said he basically wanted to throw up in his mouth because he's like, no, <laughs> if health and safety and student athletes was a concern, you would cancel the season or push it back. <laughs> like, there's no way that's like the primary motive here. And so <laughs> last night he laughed and he was like, I was glad that that quote got a little like mileage. He was like, it got picked up some places and, and moved around because like anybody who tries to tell you anything different is just lying straight to your face. I, I love that term job one or priority one. Yeah. And then you know, right, safety's priority one or this, this is priority one is is keeping our players from catching the coronavirus. Like you said, well, if that's the uh, priority one to me is like or job one is like if you're building a house, you have to build the you have to you have to dig the, the foundation first and then put in the foundation. Because if you don't, it doesn't work. You just start building the framing and then, oh, now we have to do like so like if you're going step by step, that's it. You don't sit there and go. 
job one here is to, is to put the foundation in, but we'll start building the roof first. Also, like <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't work. Like, it just, yeah, we know what we know what this is. Priority one is is their four hundred one case. I mean, priority <laughs> one is their jobs. It's it's their, their retirement. I mean, and I guess that's we all love college football, but and this is part of the hypocrisy is part of the fun. But it's like yeah. it's almost I just I have it's just easier to stomach with the NFL. Like it's just easier to stomach. It was like it's like they're the UFC. UFC was just like yeah, we're fighting. I don't care. We don't care. <laughs> no. Well, what everyone's screaming at him like no, we fight. This is what we do. Yeah. We're fighting. We're gonna find a place to fight and we're gonna fight. And it's like all right, like. At least they're not pretending to be anything else. Like we'll, we'll take care of our guys. We want this to work, but we got we want to make some money. We want to play. We want to fight. And we college respect football naked is ambition. It is not naked <laughs> ambition in college. It's like dressed up as academics, yeah, dressed pretend. up as culture, dressed up as lifeblood. Come on, the front porch of the university. Just yeah, yeah. The front porch of the university <laughs> yes. is falling off the uh, thing. <laughs> Falling off the house. All right. Uh, interesting news today. We predicted some of this stuff would happen. Caleb Farley, terrific uh, cornerback for Virginia Tech. Expected, projected first round NFL draft pick whenever the heck they have the next NFL draft, which will probably be on time because the NFL doesn't care, is bailing out in the season. He's just going to prepare for the 20. After much consideration, my family decided to opt out and begin preparing for the 2021 draft, NFL draft. Uh, he's clean, you know, uncertain health conditions and regulations and all other opt outs going on in football. Now lost his mother. I can't afford to lose another parent. All fine. Uh, I have no, no problem with anybody making their own decision. You're seeing a lot of guys in the NFL opt out for different reasons, but this is, you know, probably the start. Uh, how many more of these are we going to get? You look at how many NFL players have opted out. Now they have the money to make whatever free decision they want. They, you know, people are like, oh, you're going to lose $8 million. Like I got 50. So when you have 50 million, you tell me when to work No. So, you know, he doesn't, but he's clearly preparing for it. Is this, a, how, how many more are we going to see? And, and quite honestly, is this just a smart move to just kind of step away? Go ahead, Pete. So I made a bunch of calls on this on uh, Wednesday night and, and got a column up on, uh, on Thursday afternoon on Yahoo about Caleb Farley's decision. First of all, we'll start with him. He's a very good player. Uh, spoke to a couple scouts last night. He's a first-round pick. Uh, Dave Clawson, the Wake Forest coach, gave me this sort of glowing assessment. We thought he was one of the most talented corners that we played, not just last year, but in the last two or three years in the conference. And, and Wake obviously plays Clemson every year. They're in the same division. He was exceptional. He has really good movement skill, really good ball skills. He was someone, as we go back and, and watch the film, he really just stuck out as one of the most outstanding defensive players in the ACC. So that, you know, that, that means probably a top 15 pick. It, it's really hard to say right now because we don't know what the uh, what, what the draft order is. So we'll start with Caleb and say Caleb's really good. And, you know, it, he's expected to uh, he's expected to go in the first round. How many players will go? And I tried to dive into that, making some calls last night. I had one industry source predict between 12 and 20. And again, it's it's hard to make that prediction in a vacuum, right? Because the the agents are right now using the uncertainty in the collegiate landscape as leverage. Come to the certainty of working out at Fancy Pants Gym. Come to the certainty of starting your professional career. Play in the league that is certain to play, you know, next year. And the agents are certainly whispering, like, who's saying that the 2021 season is going to happen, too? So um, that dynamic is happening. We will see more players. The timeline of when they do and how they how they make the decision, I think a lot depends on the timeline of how these conferences make make decisions and then what gets pushed back. I think once we start seeing consistent delays in the schedule, if that does happen, that's when you see guys starting to say, all right, we're, we're going to start to uh, we're going to start to pull out a little bit. So I don't think there'll be a flood like in the next three days or anything. But I do think as as the weeks go on and the uncertainty continues, you're going to see more players follow that path. And no good players are going to play in the spring. No, no top hundred type players who are draft eligible from people I've talked to are expected to play in the spring. Like if you are going to go into this NFL draft, playing in the spring is just not a good health decision because whenever the hypothetical spring schedule would end, you're basically got to go all-star game combine and then you're at OTAs in you know, a handful of weeks. And so that schedule doesn't work well. So 
I do think you will see a a a, a good chunk more. Quincy Avery, the uh, quarterback tutor out of uh, Atlanta, who works with some of the best players in high school and college football and the NFL, told me he think the num he thinks the number would be around thirty five or forty of guys who end up going. So. What the truth is probably somewhere in the middle between what the industry source said and what Quincy said, but I do think this is a uh, this is certainly an emerging trend that uh, that sort of reared its head on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, I think that the longer there is a lack of clarity on what these players' season look like looks like, the more likely they are to consider you know not playing and looking to protect their future. And I you know it's got to be weighing on their minds the fact that they've gotten no answers. Nobody has given them concrete answers i understand you can't to a degree but that's why at least hey getting a schedule out says we're going to try to have a season uh for the conferences that have waited this long to even try to put a schedule out that's just i think exacerbated the kind of the anxiety in the minds of a lot of these guys of like man i don't know what's going to happen i maybe i should just start looking at my professional future so i think that there's plenty of guys that are looking in that direction and then we will see you know, next week, what does the NCAA say? What sort of tone do they set towards having fall sports? Uh, and then players can start making more decisions. And I think we will see kind of a progression along those lines. As Pete said, there's no doubt that agents and others are using this to their advantage to say, if you have a decision to make, well, it's a lot easier on our side if you just don't play as opposed to going into this uncertain deal we don't. We can't guarantee your health. We can't guarantee you how much you're going to be able to play. Just start. Just drop out and work out, or you know, just uh, cast your lot that way. So, uh, I, I'm not surprised we're seeing it from Caleb Farley, and I would not be surprised if we're seeing it from many other players between now and you know December. Well, I'll tell you this. I think it'll be higher number, and it won't just be NFL prospects. I, I think the NFL prospect thing will be significant. But one thing we saw in the NFL is a, a complete range of different players so far and their reasoning. Some were new fathers. Some had parents that uh, had, you know, were, were at risk. Um, you, you certainly had your your star players, Dante Hightower or something like that for the Patriots, who's sitting there saying, well, he just became a father, but he's got tons of money, three Super Bowl rings, whatever. I'll sit one out, rest up, you know, I'll, I'll resume my career. We've also had practice squad guys. Who, who have quit and said, I'm out for this year. Players that, quite honestly, I think because of the decreases, are going to move up and have a better chance of playing and, and potentially making it. So there's so many different reasons, and they're all personal reasons why people, I think you will see more college kids just say, I'm out. That you, not necessarily, I'm out because I think I'm going to make the NFL, but I'm out for this year. And then that will lead to an entire situation of, can you really stay at your school, you know, the coaches are all going to say publicly, well, that's fine. Uh, actually, probably one of them will be dumb enough to say, if you ain't playing with us, you're <laughs> someone, someone will blow that one. Um, but most of them will say, you can, you can take this year off and we'll welcome you back. But can you really, if you're stepping away? So I, I think, I think that's, uh, that's all going to be pretty interesting. All right. One more uh, Ohio State announced. Uh, you know, the whole are we going to have fans or not keeps raging and we've, we've pretty much had every number. But Ohio State has come up with their plan, uh, certainly one of the probably five biggest stadiums in the country or something, 20 percent capacity at Ohio Stadium. And there'll be students will be some of them. Uh, face masks will be mandatory. There, there must be physical distancing. Concessions will be limited and there'll be no tailgating before or after games. So if you want to attend a game at Ohio Stadium, you have to show up, put on a mask, eat eat before, show up basically, uh, you know, I don't know how they're going to hustle them in and all that, wear a mask, sit a couple seats away from your friend and watch a game in a one-fifth full stadium. To me, that sounds, that sounds awful. I, I certainly understand some people... I mean, going to a college football game is awesome. Ohio Stadium, it might be my favorite stadium in the country. When it's full and everyone's going crazy and you're tailgating outside the whole day and you're, you're grilling meat and loading up on beers and then you go in and they got the band and the fight song and the it's awesome. Phenomenal. Best, best experience in sports, probably. 
But this is not that. Like, are, would you want to actually watch? I know we're spoiled. We see too many football games live. But to me, this doesn't sound fun at all. I wouldn't even be one of the 20% who would want to do this. I'd just be like, I'm good. I'll go home. I'll, I'll cook at home. You know, tailgate in my backyard. So I don't know. This is, I, I assume they'll find those people. But man, you are you are really into football if you want to watch football this way. Yeah. Well, I know. just think instead of tailgating, you drink at home. And then, I don't know, if I was in college, I'd be like, <laughs> I want to be there. drive drunk to the game? What? No, you walk. It's college. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, everybody walks to the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're a student, you live on the, the campus. students, but, uh, like, yeah. you're alumni that are rolling in from Toledo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't recommend that. I don't recommend drinking <laughs> and driving. Uh, I think, like, th- there, there'll be a spectacle aspect to it where people are going to want – I wanted to be the, there. I was there when they were one-fifth full. I was – you know what I mean? It's like – and plus, people are just craving stuff to do. You know, like like that. right now in this pandemic, there's so little to do that. I think that would be like an event, something to look forward to. There'd be an exclusivity to it that would be, you know, that would that would sort of make it a, you know, make it a make an event. But um, I, it doesn't right. sound like, you know, something you'd want to do eight times. Right. You know, because what do they play? Seven home games. You know, they play eight home games. Yeah. So that that would seem like a lot to me. Well, they um, may only play four now or five. Oh, maybe. yeah, that's true. I was thinking of a normal schedule. Nothing's normal. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I've always been a big proponent of going to the event. You know, I, I, I'm not somebody that prefers to sit on watch on TV. I, lo- I want to be there. Love the energy of it. But this is, yeah, there is not going to be that energy. There's not going to be that community feeling. Uh, it's going to be really weird. I think that you would have people that, yeah, they first of all, some people will be able to get the best seats they've ever gotten. You know, if you're if you're used to being in the last row of the end zone as a student, hey, you've got a great chance to get in a better position now. Uh, but yeah, if, if you're an older person, especially, I think it would be a big ask to take on all of that, everything that would come with trying to play uh, or trying to attend those games. But I, boy, you know, it's just it's going to be really, really weird. Again, I went to the Belmont in June, and it was so flat and so odd with nobody there. College football is so energy driven by the crowd and the atmosphere. You take out the tailgating too. You know, that is such a cool part. And that's what makes it an all day event is people are there hours beforehand and people are there hours afterwards. And now if it's just shut hustle, hustle in, hustle out of a largely empty stadium, it's not going to be the same product at all. Pat, what's the Derby decided? Are they going to have some fans? Well, though they they were going whole hog, uh, they were they were saying fifty percent. Uh, they were saying basically Breeders' Cup size crowd, which is at, at Churchill Downs has been about seventy seventy five thousand eighty thousand uh, out of the normal hundred fifty. A light, light seventy five, just yeah. you know, just a few. That's what they've said, and they, they have yeah, they have not backed off of that publicly. But I wonder, you know, the virus numbers have been going up in Kentucky. We've been much luckier than many other states, but they are going up. Governor's uh, rolled back some of the openings that he put into place, and I'm I'm just not sure you could possibly countenance having seventy five thousand people there right now. It's scheduled for September fifth, by the way. So I remember when that was an important date in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But maybe for the Big Twelve still. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get to this monkey story. This is this is serious. <laughs> this is alert. Red alert. This is the kind of thing that should be running along the bottom of the. The, the every TV. Yeah. Better Liburi, than Liburi, Thailand. Liburi, Thailand is a city in Thailand, as you might guess. <laughs> and um, we lost. The human versus animal <laughs> war is currently being lost in Liburi, <laughs> Liburi, Thailand. Look out. Um, let me read this just tremendous New York Times report on this. The customers waiting outside a bank left their jewelry at home and kept other treasures out of sight, but danger lurked anyway. In broad daylight, they watched a thief steal an iced tea and a vandal brazenly attack a motorcycle seat. One woman quit her place in line when a stalker crept up and threatened to bite her. (laughs) With a sigh, a police officer brandished a slingshot and the monkey scattered. Less than a minute later, they were back. Uh, The party is the 
capital of the Siamese kingdom and uh, has a bunch of ancient architecture. But the city center has been lost to crab-eating uh, monkeys uh, with piercing eyes and curious natures have spilled out of the temples where they run forever and they take over the hard oats. So we, we, we went into this a little bit earlier. They were called sex craze. I think we were – that was probably one of the British papers. Yeah, it had to have been. That's – that's got British tabloid written all over it. New York Times in their inclusive nature leaves the, uh, you know, sexual uh, decisions to, you know, private, private, right? Uh, much more woke, I think, than, than criticizing them as sex crazed or labeling them. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the monkeys have just taken over the city now. And um, I mean, these guys are crazy. They will break <laughs> your, rip your antenna off your car, your windshield dangling earrings and sunglasses they'll just go after them because they think it's food they're trying to to neuter them i don't know what apparently they can't just wipe them out i think we could do one of those remember that viral hog hunt i wanted to do from the <laughs> helicopter <laughs> this wouldn't happen in texas let me just say this we would not allow this to happen in texas but this is still where all humans have to be together on this. And a, a loss, a defeat to any of us is a defeat everywhere. Right. Like uh, these pictures are amazing. Uh, the monkeys are are out of control. Um, there's like parts of this that are just amazing. Like the monkeys figure out they outsmart them. Like one time they set all these traps with food in a, in a cage. And after the first day of watching their brothers and sisters get hauled away, they stop going in them. Then the 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 catchers the 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 pot whatever these the government people started wearing like tourist clothes uh, to try to trick the monkeys into not thinking that they were the officials and that worked for a little while then it didn't um, this is a problem right Pat what is going on in Thailand <laughs> it is a problem this is Planet of the Apes this is how it started so pretty soon Charlton Heston is going to be on his knees looking at the <laughs> Statue of Liberty. Wondering what happened, what, what happened to civilization. It's going to happen. But I, I still, Dan, despite the alarm, despite the concern for all of mankind, I'm not sure we can send the Texas ranchers and their automatic weapons in on helicopters to mow them down. I mean, sounds kind of fun, I'm sure. I, I know you were wanting to get in on that, but the last time America sent people in on helicopters with guns to Southeast Asia... <laughs> It didn't end well. So let's not repeat Don't, that one, okay? Do not get involved in a land war in Asia, right? That's this right. Is, this is the, That's right. The don't. You always lose. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Not against the Viet Cong, not against the monkeys. Neither one. Let's not. I mean, listen to this one. A third-generation ho hotelier has relinquished the top floor of the hotel to the monkeys <laughs> who have wrecked it with a, the zeal of drunken partygoers, ripping up wooden planks and shredding corrugated metal. Quite honestly, I have been a drunken partygoer and I never once <laughs> wanted to shred corrugated metal. <laughs> I, these guys are much worse. They have electric fences to protect the ground floor of the hotel. And then uh, this New York Times story is bananas. Wonderful no factoid just slipped in. Bananas, I'm going to say it. Their favorite, their as a pun intended, their favorite food is banana cake. But they'll also, Imagine that. of course it is. Who could have seen that come? Uh, don't bake banana cake then. You can live without banana cake. This is not like, I don't know, like rice. I like, I mean, just some staple, like, you know, just, but don't, don't make a banana cake. Yeah. Uh, this is my this favorite part was when they described the difference between the shitty monkeys who just live on the junk food that the tourists feed them compared to the uh so compared with the monkeys in the forest their urban counterparts have less muscle and are more susceptible to hypertension and blood disease said the director of a regional office of wildlife conservation <laughs> development quote the monkeys are never hungry just like children who eat too much kfc <laughs> oh, wow it all comes back to the chicken wars it all it does back to the chicken it wars. does look at this one i mean this reporter just had a a plump male monkey sat on bags of dog food, sipping a yogurt drink. <laughs> a clutch of youngsters swarmed a counter waiting for handouts of cookies. Uh, uh, just nuts. Uh, Can you imagine his turning the corner and his big fat monkey just sipping on a yogurt? <laughs> I kind of want to go now and see this. I really do. High Tied credit to Hannah Beach, reporter, the uh, Southeast Asia Bureau chief of the New York Times since 2017. I kind of want that uh, job too. 
Maybe I'll take that Holy job and go cow. be the. Be, I'll do monkey recon for the pod and for you know the military, whoever else needs. Hey, stuff. and you might need to go to Liverpool for for this beat because according to a story from the Metro, there are baboons that have figured out uh, <laughs> how to wield chainsaws. I don't know if they've turned them on yet, but quite the developing story out of England. And if they learn how to operate a chainsaw, then that's another step of trouble for us. There's celebrating the uh the reds uh premier league championship and it's gone out of control uh finally in st louis uh a a, a steer got loose mm. escaped a trailer and trotted down a busy downtown st louis street surprising drivers sunday afternoon and what was at least the second city's second cattle roundup in a little over three years that would surprise me i think i'd much rather see a kangaroo than a a massive steer indeed so yeah the best part of that one, I read that one, was that uh, it was reminiscent of the St. Louis Six from three years ago. It was six other steers that escaped from a slaughterhouse and were on the run, <laughs> like literally running for their lives. Can't they, blame them. Yes, they were dubbed the St. Louis Six, and people were urging people to, <laughs> to free the St. Louis Six. And I, they were like animal rights people's, you know, raising money to take care of them and everything. It was... Uh, that was classic. You ever watch like those Pixar movies? Like you see where you're the evil one, right? Like that's a Pixar movie. We <laughs> escaped the slaughterhouse and then yeah. now we got you. <laughs> Going to be a damn good ribeye, buddy. <laughs> uh, the steer was later named Chico and a yeah. large crowd started chanting in support of him. It's awesome. <laughs> All see? right. Well, anyway, careful out there. I don't know. Just be careful. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> That's good enough. I think, you know what, a blanket, be careful, covers a lot. <laughs> Just in general, these things are not going <laughs> ideally. Things are not going according to plan. If we had a plan, this would, I don't think this was the plan. I don't know. Anyway, please subscribe to our podcast and uh, leave us nice reviews and share us on social media. And please alert us when uh, animals are uh, rising up. Uh, it's a long battle. We got to be prepared. It's going to take discipline. We got uh, to stick focus, together better than the college all football All the things leaders. we do very, very poorly. <laughs> That's the thing. Discipline, preparation, communication, yeah. cooperation. Discipline, sacrifice. Yeah. You know, we don't do that. Pat, you know Dan would leave us behind if he could get an edge for like a better non-conference, you know, situation. You know um, that. He would just, yeah. Absolutely. He'd be like that monkey eating the yogurt, laughing at us, uh, <laughs> sitting on the dog food in the chair. If I could get on a better podcast. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Yeah. We'd have no chance. Yeah. In a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't worry. It's all long. I'm playing the long game here. I'm playing the long game. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Talk to you guys uh, next week. Should have all sorts of and SEC is going to make a move here. It's going to be good. It's kind of fun. Oh, yeah. If we, if, if it all, it'll all be great if we actually play football. Like, <laughs> really, we'll be like, that was kind of fun. Right. All this all this uh, hashing out. Unfortunately, I'm not sure. But let's uh, let's hope. Let's hope. Talk to you guys later. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcast and be sure to follow us on social media at skullduggerypod